I'm far too hungover to do any sort of detailed introduction. And B, the ashes are on and I want to go and watch it. So let's get straight into this conversation with the wonderful Jonathan Denby. Enjoy. Jonathan Denby, Dennis, Denny Lovato, JD, J-Man, Big Sexy, and most famously, John the Bomb. Hi. Good to see you, sir. Good to see you too, buddy. I'm very happy to be here having a chat with you today. Um, This podcast is audio only. Yeah, that's good. But I was very tempted for this one to get a bit of a video set up on the go to share your fantastic eyelashes with the world. Oh, that'd be very great. I mean, I know that you typically take pictures of people, so we'll probably just keep the the glasses off for that one. For the cover art. Yeah, absolutely. Specifically, not just in general going around taking pictures. Well, why would we deny the world of these... These wonderfully not fake eyelashes that get what, um, all the Do you time. have a maintenance regime? I don't. Uh, typically, my maintenance regime is sleep. Um, mm. In my early 20s, sleep was around an hour an evening. Yeah. Uh, whereas now, in my mid 30s, <laughs> yeah, not so much legendary anymore. <laughs> yeah. Probably about eight hours. Solid. Yeah. Solid sleeping pattern. Um, let's go intros. Yeah. Name, where you're from, and Who's your favourite Pokemon? Oh, fantastic. Yeah, so John Denby, or Jonathan Denby, if my mother would listen. Um, I'm originally from Thursk in North Yorkshire. Very famous for its race course, James Herriot, if you've ever heard of him. Uh, All Creatures Great and Small on Channel 5, give it a watch. Um, and also the founder of Lord's Cricket Ground is from Thursk, Thomas Lord. Oh, wow. Yeah, there you go. Uh, favourite Pokemon has probably just got to be a classic Charizard. Really? And he's a bit of a bad git, isn't he? So, uh, but he's also got a softer side. I like to think of myself as a very similar sort of Pokemon. You can you can resonate with it. But I'd probably the fat pink one that you've got is a plushy <laughs> over there, to be honest. <laughs> you do look a bit like Jigglypuff. Mm. Um, Appreciate that, yeah. <laughs> um, so was Charizard, or Charmander I should say, when you were playing... Back in the day, your Pokemon Reds, your Pokemon Blues, was he your go-to? Yeah, he was my go-to, my go-to. I mean, I am such a nerd that I did play with all three. I completed it, then played with the other one, and then completed it, and then played with the other one, because, I mean, I was a nerd in Yorkshire. There weren't much to do other than running around the grass and playing with farmyard animals in a very honest and nice way. And vlogging Channel 5 programs absolutely um there are other channels available obviously but <laughs> not in yorkshire <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. we struggled to get channel five when it came out um i was keen to have you on this um not just because you're a wonderful bloke oh stop it um but because you have been really supportive um of this and my blog blogsanddogs.org check it out <laughs> um you've written some really lovely things and i feel that when people are supportive um, a, I like it, so keep those bloody nice comments coming. <laughs> and B, I feel like maybe some of the content resonates a little bit. Yes. Um, is that the case? If we just dive straight in, mental health as a, yeah. as a topic, um, what are you saying? Well, we go two-footed in it, won't we? Yeah. I think it's interesting because I, you know, my, my sort of perception of if we, could, we, we go to, to mental health and, and how people deal with it, I, in my mid-twenties, went through an absolute breakdown. Like, it was harsh and it was bad. But it it was an age, ten years ago, where I didn't think that I could deal with it with other people. I couldn't deal with it all by myself. 
So didn't really know how to manage it. Unfortunately, I lived with somebody who I love and adore. He's my best friend, Chevy, who also went through a pretty dark place. And we grew together to sort of understand and learn how to deal with things. And I think where that brings me to in terms of what we've just discussed there is, you know, you've, you've, find, you've found like an output for your thoughts and your, where, you're, where you're thinking. And it's, it's creative, but it's also like it's, it's a nice way for you to be able to... Tell everyone but, how fucked up I am. Exactly. But <laughs> if we all could do that, then it'd be great. But the world would be a very different place. But actually, you're doing it in a way that's like your own little therapy. Mm. And I, 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 am, I'm, I sort of, you know, I, I congratulate anybody who can do that. Because it's mm. a difficult thing to do in the first place. But when you can actually get into it and find your, your channels, mm. then it's great. And I think, you know, my channels back in the day were probably just getting absolutely tanked but you know <laughs> over time I've learned it's very different and it does it's through very different things but no it really did resonate with me and I felt like you know a lot of people don't put themselves out there because they're afraid to but you're definitely a good example of it you don't have to be afraid and you know people can look at it and go actually that's brave and that's a great mm. way of doing things it's funny you say that um the point about your mid-20s because I went through a similar sort of experience um what sort of what was the kind of catalyst i mean again like appreciate this is a bit of a like a i mean public forum there's about yeah, three people who listen to it but, <laughs> but as much as you're kind of comfortable um sharing yeah, what, yeah. what sort of things were causing you ag car there was quite a lot i mean it's london right so so you were living in london at the yeah time. i was living in kentish town um big up nw5 but i think london comes with an, an an unannounced pressure that you are, you're highly social, you're highly well-performing, you're, um, you're highly successful. I think that in itself comes with, a, with, with a, an internal expectation that you have to be at that level for everyone and everything. Um, and over the course of time, mm. I just started to feel like whilst being successful in the work that I was doing at the time, I just felt that I could have been better, but I was impeding myself a lot of the way by being highly social mm. that stopped me being that, that highly successful element at work and then there's also some some macro factors in my life which are around family and stuff like that that sort of came to a head after a number of years and it just it was that moment of, it was the big bang moment in my head that just went fuck mm. this isn't great um and it just like i subjected myself to what i can only describe as like abject darkness but literally quite physically abject darkness like not leaving the house like not talking to anybody I was self-employed at this particular time I was a consultant mm. for um Gucci um and I didn't even want to travel to their offices anymore like so I just stopped working for a few months and just sort of kept to myself um and yeah so there was just so, ju and sorry to interrupt you on that how I suppose bad did it get would you literally like not leave bed for like for days for days yeah, really yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah I think it's just one of those things it's that I didn't know how to deal with it I guess I was in a place where if if I was still in Yorkshire if I was still in Thursk I think it would have been very different I think the mentality there was a lot different I think London has this yeah. undue professional pressure that is put on your shoulders by everyone around you yeah. um whether that's true or not or whether that's just a mental state I don't know, but I think that's a, that was definitely a transition. And then, like I say, I, I add to it a lot of family stuff and I then just went, done. Yeah. We're not playing this game anymore. I never got dark enough to say it was the really bad thoughts, yeah. but it was always dark. 
And I think, you know, unless you've been through episodes like that, I don't think a lot of people understand just how thick that fog is that goes over your brain. Yeah, like it was, brutal. it was bad, but with a little bit of time and effort and the right people around me, it was fine. Mm. It's just how you comprehend your life and how you control the controllables around yeah. you. That until I got to that point of realization, I was like, this is, this is fucked. And like a couple of questions on that, the London thing and almost having this pressure or expectation to be someone or perform at a certain level, whether that's professionally or socially, did you have the impression that almost everyone else was and you're like, holy shit, everyone else is smashing it and it's super easy for them and I'm just not and I'm a whatever it is. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think it's a little bit of both. I think I was 25, 26 working for one of the world's biggest luxury brands. brands as like, yeah. as a As a very well-paid consultant on some of their biggest projects at that time. So I knew that I was doing very, very well. Yeah. But I think that that in itself came with a lot of pressure because I talked about it a lot. Like I was very happy that I was successful, but I mm. think with that in itself, now I'm talking about it quite openly. I'm like, mm, maybe that was a bit of a problem. But then the other side of it, you're right. Like a lot of people look at you and go, well, well you are successful. You are doing yeah. this. You don't have problems. You can't have problems if you're, if you're doing well. And actually at first I was like, yeah, I'm not gonna have any problems. But then it's all the basic things as well. This is, you know, the world of living in London and meeting people like dates and stuff like that. Like I was so far into my own head that just getting rejected after one date was like end, the end of my life mm. because I was just, I was so into something. I was either all in or not. And it was the same with work and it was the same with friends. So mm. one little thing going wrong just was like a house of cards. It just fell apart. Why do you, why do you think, why do you think you took rejection so badly i have no idea i think that's one thing i'm still trying to learn still trying to figure out i think yeah. you know as I, as i said to you before and those that know me I, i went through a breakup like three months ago and that was i responded differently to that like initially that re rejection mm. was horrible but then like a few days later the the sort of the self-awareness that it's an opportunity to improve. It's the first time I've thought like that in, in that sense. And mm. I was like, okay, uh, this is different. Um, but I still don't understand why I react the way that I do when there is some form of rejection. And it is for everything. Um, mm. I'm better now, but I think it still sometimes happens. And I think it's more because I've got more of an inside voice. And, yeah. um, you know, we were talking before, and as I mentioned, speaking to... A therapist and then talking to me about how I deal with other people when I'm going through that yeah. has made me a lot more enlightened into how to how to approach myself. Mm. And don't get me wrong, there's still these demons and these little battles inside, but they're a lot less and they're a lot calmer. Mm. It's um, I guess there's, there's a lot more resolution into how to approach things. Yeah, it's just it's just a bit crap, but everybody goes through it, and like, yeah. it's it's part of life. And what sort of like nugget? of wisdom did you get from the therapist in terms of dealing with it? Because it feels like, I think the whole rejection thing, at the end of the day, a lot of it is just an ego thing. Yeah, massively really, so. Isn't it? Yeah, I think, you know, as intrinsic as it is, as a man mm. in his mid-30s, doing relatively well in life, it is ego. That's all it was. And I think what what the, talking to my therapist sort of really made me explore was that, 
you know, going through a breakup and I, I mentioned to you before, we, we had this sort of thing where two weeks after I just got drunk and I sent some not very nice messages and that was stupid of me mm. um, because any other time I wouldn't have done it. But because I had a drink, it's like, oh, inhibitions are dropped. Yeah. But speaking to my therapist, they was very much like, you know, it's all well and good that you're hurting, but you're, in your head you think that the other person isn't. Like the decision that was made was not, just one person, two people are involved in that. Whether or not you were part of that, making that decision is different. So don't think that by what you're saying means that the other person isn't hurting and that they don't have feelings. Because they do. And even though that sounds very obvious, until somebody who doesn't even know me says it, yeah. it just became a thing. And then off the back of that, a friend of mine was like, if you ever get to that point, just write it in your phone first and then read it. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you'll be like, that is stupid to send. Yes. Fortunately, I've never actually had to write my phone anymore because I think that first bit of nugget of information just made me sort of change how I approached it a little bit. Mm. And yeah, there were times where you'd get sad, but then there are times where you go, but it's an opportunity to refresh and reset and move forwards. Um, and I think that was, yeah, it's a little bit of an epiphany for me, really. Mm. A, a, di- a different way of dealing with how to talk to people and how to deal with that sort of that sort of fear of... Is anybody else going to want to be with this guy again, or is anybody? And, but it's with everything. Like you know, if it was work, like mm. if I was to tomorrow not have that job anymore, I'd be like, will anybody else want to work with me? Mm. You know, we all have those thoughts. Mm. I think. Well, with eyelashes like that, I can guarantee you the answer is yes. Well, I so, think yeah. I've absolutely got a way of just getting on the telly with these eyes, but yeah. you're just going to have to like box them in. <laughs> um, you make it actually an interesting point. A couple of things. Uh, in terms of like writing stuff down, mm. I actually think that that is a massively beneficial thing to do, regardless if you're just feeling shit yeah. about anything. It's like going back to what you were saying before about, or what we were saying, I should say, about the blog, blogsandtalks.org, check it out. <laughs> um, I honestly find it therapeutic to just like write out, you almost literally get the thoughts out of your head and onto yeah. paper or onto screen or whatever it is. So I find that a massively uh beneficial and helpful thing to do you see when you sent those messages those mm-hmm. drunken messages how did you feel after did you have this big sense of like shame and guilt or were you just like fuck it it's done it was what it was so I, I, it's weirdly i think it is a bit of both really? like there's um there's that waking up in the morning like you know, I'm very much of like, you can only move forwards, not backwards. Yeah. So I think that's also an irony that I'm even sending messages like that when it's like, mm. you're talking about the past. But, um, so that's the, that's the fuck it moment where it's like, yeah, that's been, they've been sent, deal with it. Mm. But there is definitely the shame of like, that's not the resolute character or yeah. the, the sort of level head that I have. Like I'm typically quite calm, like yeah. with anything, yeah. I don't really stress out too much. And, to wake up the next morning, read through them, like, why? Yeah. What on earth came over you to even send those? Like, if that's what I'm like with still a few pints left in me and a few units left in me and I'm going, why? Then, you know, it's it's a case of going, well, I know it wasn't the right thing to send. Mm. I hate the fact that drunk tongues speak sober truths because they do. Mm. Um, I just think that it makes it, the gravity of them push even further. Yeah. Uh, and actually it makes a, a, a situation into more of a situation for for no real need. Um, there, there doesn't need to be any conflict or any anguish between people. I think we as humans design that to to deal with situations. And I personally felt that I was completely in the wrong. Um, and, you know, I apologised profusely for it. She was very good about it all. I just think, you know, 
I've learned about a lot about myself for the future mm. and how I would deal with things. And I think that's the, that's the only positive I can take from it. Yeah. But if that's the only positive, I'm, I'm happy I can take a positive from it. What's your um, relationship like with alcohol at the moment? You obviously mentioned when you were going through the dark times in your 20s that that was kind yeah. of your go-to move. Um, you're a very sociable guy. You I like am. a pint. Yeah. Is, it, is, that a, is that a thing that you kind of need to balance in terms of how sociable you are and how much you drink or what what are you saying with, about that at the moment no it's fair and it's i think this is this is a very interesting one actually um yeah in my in my 20s definitely particularly when i lived in northwest london my entire friendship group was people that ran around pubs mm. so it's a strange one because the only time you see them is at work so you associate that with a drink Yes. And then to spend time with them, you'd have more drinks and then you'd just be next minute you're drunk and in a late bar in Camden and 3am in the morning, not being able to say your own name. <laughs> and that would happen quite a lot. Um, and my relationship with alcohol was very unhealthy, like really unhealthy. Fast forward to now, you know, even going through, you know, as I said, the breakup, I didn't go anywhere close to that. And I think because I was out of the environment of what Northwest London was and I'm now in Surbiton, it took away that ability to just go I'm going to get absolutely tanked to try and deal with this mm. um, and that that's great so living there has been a, a nice little balance for me but as I you know look at like work like VCP amazing place but it's advertising intrinsically everybody likes a drink and everybody likes a little bit of a late one and there have been times where I'm still trying to work out that balance um, of how it's friendly how it's professional how, I, how much to drink wh- whatever it's a lot better now I don't think that there's no concern for me that I would slip into my mid twenties again. Mm. But it, for a while, I was like, "Am I doing this right?" And I think, you know, it's just uh, you're right. I like a drink, and I like to talk, and I like to chat, and I like to socialise. And I think since since becoming single as well, I was worried that I would go the far end of that. And mm. actually, I haven't fallen into that trap, um, but I could have easily fallen into it. Have you found so? Since you don't get like tanked up on the regular anymore, have you found that you've uh, lost or drifted apart from a few people that you used to hang out with because you almost realise actually there's nothing substance substantive behind our friendship. We used to just get hammered together, but then you try and hang out sober, and you're like, shit, we don't really have much in common. <laughs> is that is that something you've gone through? Um, I thought I would, but I haven't. <clears throat> so I think the the thing that has been enlightening is last few months I've spent. I've only been like two, three weekends out of the last three months in either in or around London. So I've been away seeing people or hanging out with friends. And actually those friends that I thought were only like drinking buddies or because we've developed a relationship over being in pubs or whatever else, that that's all they were, have come out of the ether and been completely different. I think it's been really enlightening to see that people have just something completely different. And yeah. It's very naive of me to think that as well, but I'm sure it's the same for them. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, well, he's actually quite fun. Mm. Or they might think, oh, he's dull as shit. But <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's thinking Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, yeah, I expected that those relationships would fall into the ether. And actually they've just got better because we're doing more. And actually it's also situational. Some friends have now got kids. Yes. Um, you know, uh, some friends of mine who I'm uh, godfather to their son, Jack. Um, typically the only, way, the only time we'd ever hang out was if we were just up until 5am drinking and yeah. the, other, the other week I went over to watch the FA Cup final yeah there was a few drinks but it's playing with the godson and like hanging out with him that way and that's openly talking about 
you know, weirdly actually having open conversations about their relationship and our friendships and how they've changed. And it made me realise a little bit that, that there's more value in, in friends than I ever thought. Mm. Um, and I never really properly saw it like that. And I think for a while I let my relationship of two years sort of get in the way of that as well. I put, I focused my purpose very differently. I shouldn't have done. Mm. That's a little bit of a learn for me. I, I think I, that's part of like life's growing lessons of how do I, how do I find that balance? And we said it before, right? Balance is, is such a key word to everything. Yeah. And I'm starting to learn that now. And balance also has to include for me catching some Pokemon. You know what I mean? So it's, <laughs> it's, it's got to be, it, it, it's got to be beneficial to me. And I think before, whilst I thought it was beneficial, it wasn't beneficial to my life as a whole. Yeah. Um, and that is no slight on anybody, if anything, just me going, I, did, I should have done things differently. Yeah. But you don't see it. You don't learn. And you, you only learn from it as you move through it all and go and you reflect yeah i think reflection is very important and i don't think enough of us do reflection in the right way yeah we just kind of do and we live yeah we don't take a step back to the i think it's an interesting point about the um almost taking friendships or social interactions for granted i think a lot of people realize that during covid yeah um i think especially if you're a similar age to us obviously you kind of uh pre-covid you know 20s early 30s it's typically quite a sociable time and then that all gets taken away from you and you're like holy shit mm. so much of my well-being happiness whatever you want to call it is based on having social interactions yeah and it's interesting yeah. you say that as well i i have this firm belief that every interaction regardless of how small is going to have a some sort of effect on someone's trajectory either in a yes. day the week the month the year the, the lifespan so it's the what is it what, uh, butterfly wings yeah. and tsunami thing I think it's something like there's that there's a yeah. saying like that but it's... I'll google it and try and snip it in <laughs> <laughs> just a little little layer yeah, of voiceover yeah, yeah. Um, so I had this conversation with someone the other day and I was like the, the reason I'm I'll be nice to everybody like I don't care like unless you've had a drink on you <laughs> and you're on Instagram, on Instagram. yeah no we're, we're gonna get we're gonna get that breathalyzer attached to the phone now and uh, <laughs> never use it but it's um, it's it's an interesting one because now like even if I'm having a terrible time in a restaurant, I won't whinge or moan. You've always got to be positive. You don't know how bad somebody else's day's gone. You don't know why the, why the way that they are or how unhappy they are. I had a, an interaction with a guy in a, in a pub the other night in Kingston, uh, the Boaters, great pub, by the way, on the river. And he said to me, as I was um, buying my last round, he was like, oh, um, a customer's just bought me a drink for the first time in four months. And I was like, oh, that's unfortunate. And he was like, no, no, not really like that. It's just I've had to take some some me health time off. Okay. And I was like, oh, okay. And it just forced me to sort of think like, and ask the questions like, Is every, are you okay? Like, yeah. I know it's weird a stranger asking it, but he's sort of mentioned it, not in a way of like reaching out for help because he's clearly comfortable in saying that he's had some problems yeah. and that he's back at work and that makes him happy. And so I just felt the need to sort of ask, yeah. are you okay? Is everything all right? And we had like, we riffed for about 10 minutes. The person was waiting for their drink for like 10 minutes. But, um, <laughs> and in the end, I just sort of bought, I bought him a drink. And then as we're leaving, he was just really nice and said goodbye. And I think it's those nice. little micro interactions that, add up in your life and make you feel that little bit more wholesome and a little 100%. bit better. And they're rare in London or rarer in London. Definitely. Which is obviously a downside when you live here, but also the good thing about it is that 
they almost make you feel extra better yes. because of they're so rare. I think it's especially when we go, we talk about those sort of dark moments and that fog yeah. that, that just clouds your brain. When you have someone that can cut through it and almost shine that light through it, just even the littlest bit, you start to just see it open up and that, that become a little bit more fresher in your mind. I feel like we miss we miss those those exchanges. Yeah. And I think you're right, it's a, it's a London condition, very mm. much so. Because you go out, I go back to Thursk and like, everybody will ask you all sorts of questions. Now it's, look, culturally it's very different. They're probably not going to dive into your mental state or whatever else. They're probably just going to ask you how much money you're earning in London. And I'll be like, piss off. Yeah, they're not going to get you on a podcast. Yeah, no, yeah. I wouldn't want a podcast in Yorkshire, that's just your name. Um, and I think, yeah, but you'll get, the, you'll get the social interactions and you'll get people asking you different questions and you'll feel a little bit more valued. And I feel like we don't put enough value on just treating people like people sometimes in London. Yeah. I think it's very it's very easy to go, you work in the service industry, I'm paying you, you service me. And that's very much a mentality in a lot of places you go and you see how people are. Yeah. I mean, just look at James Corden. He could do whatever he wants, can't he? Yeah. Um, you make a really interesting point and a really valid point as well around, you mentioned the restaurant example. Um, and if you're getting bad service or having a not so good experience, whatever it is, still trying to be nice. I think... A realisation that I had that really helped towards my own um, emotional intelligence, um, which probably still isn't great, a lot of room for <laughs> development. However, is almost the idea that basically anyone, uh, anything anyone is trying to do at any time is just to try and make themselves happy. Yeah. And that manifests itself in a whole host of different ways. Um, you know, someone can be really pissed off at the world and the way that they're trying to make themselves feel better is to just be a rude dick to everyone else. Yeah. Because that's um, reassuring or calming for them. Mm. So I almost think that realise realising that if someone's rude or dismissive or whatever it is, to try and not take it personally, but just see that that's a reflection of how they're feeling about themselves massively helps towards your empathy with other people. That's it. And also, I think when you, when you look at the service industry, you've also got to understand that your interaction with that person is very short. Mm. And because it's very short, you can afford to let it slide. Yes. And I think when you watch people who can't let it slide, that for me is interesting because that to me describes to me or shows to me that somebody has, it goes back to the, this egocentric thing. Yes. I think it then becomes about you. Yeah. But you're in a room full of people. That room isn't about you. That yeah. server is serving probably 10, 12 tables. Maybe. I don't know. Yes. I haven't worked in the service industry. I've just drank a lot in it. And I think you've that. if you've got that mindset, fine, you're that person. But I, I just feel like, you know, the world isn't for you if that's the case. Like, yeah. you've got to find what your purpose is. And your purpose isn't there to be a rude dick. Yeah. Your purpose is very much something that's deeply in, rooted in you and you need to find what that is, but don't make everything about you. Yeah. And when I see people like that, it's really upsetting. Yeah. Um, I have had moments where I've pulled I think people that is out. A I think that is a natural thing for a lot of people, though. Yeah. I mean, no, obviously. And obviously, whenever... The natural reaction, whenever you something happens or you hear a bit of news, you automatically think, how does this affect me? Yeah. And you don't think about the other person. But if you can take that microsecond to be like hang on you know they've not you know they've not thanked me for opening the door yeah because they're probably in their own head and they've got a million things that they're thinking about it's not because they're purposely being rude towards me yeah you can just you know well, and that's it again we don't know people's situations you don't know where their heads at like just give that little bit 
like just give that little bit of space to people yeah. give that little bit of opportunity to people to open up to you a little bit even if it is just taking your order yeah. like you know they work hard and at the end of the day we we are not here to sort of belittle them um mm. we don't know what they're going through and hopefully like our little interactions with them can make their day better yeah. so someone afterwards can have a better experience of it yeah. um and if you can get there then great if you can't well then you can be a bit of a dick but mm. You know, it's just, you're right, it's taking that little bit of time to go, yeah. okay, I can be a little bit more rounded about this and actually yes. be a little bit more pragmatic to somebody. Butterfly wings and tsunamis again. Absolutely, yeah. Are idea? you going to own that now? If it's yeah, not right, you're going to own butterfly wings, you know, yeah. Um, you see, going back to your <clears throat> mid-twenties, yeah. what were some of the things uh, that you did to kind of get out of that dark headspace? Obviously, therapy was one. Yeah. But did you, were there like... Even even smaller than that, little things that you did to get you out of bed. Yeah, yeah. Even the tiny. What what were those sort of things? So, interestingly, and it's happened the same time around here in the last few months in terms of exercise. Yeah. So, I sort of, you know, do you know that moment where you like walk past the mirror, you look at yourself, you go, "Fucking hell!" I sort of I just had that moment where I was like, "I I just need to improve. I just need to be better." Mm. Um, so I very much made a call there and then like, so for an entire year, I just completely changed my diet up fully. I made sure I got up at the sound of an alarm on a morning. I started going to the gym twice a day, straight away. Um, and I was in like the shape of my life. And because I was also healthy, I was doing other stuff that was nice. Yeah. Like I was having experiences rather than like going out drinking all the time. So after that, for about a year, I think I can safely say I probably went out like five or six times in that year. Really? That's it. It can be a virtuous circle when you just start that step towards exercise or eating well. You're like, well, I'm going to try and sleep better because there's no point going and running whatever K and then going and eating and drinking a load of shit because you essentially negate the exercise. So, like, those little steps can, yeah, I suppose, become a virtuous circle and impact all the other areas in your life. Yeah, and it, it really did. I think The only thing is, I say I was clean eating, and then every Saturday, my aim was to just have an entire Domino's meal deal to myself while I just played computer games. But... I balance. At, exactly, yeah. balance. I think that was, but that was my thing. That was what I looked forward to on a Saturday. Like, my housemate would come and sit down with me, we'd play FIFA, we'd eat some pizza, and we'd just have a great time. And I think it was like, I lived for those little micro moments that I knew I was going to have. Yeah. And that helped me like move towards that. And you see, you mentioned there, and it might've been a little bit of a throwaway comment, but one time you looked in the mirror and you were like, what the fuck am I doing to myself? Yeah. yeah. Was that, is that one specific moment that <laughs> you actually, happened, yeah. and you actually, you physically remember that? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it was going into um, the bathroom um, and sort of like, it was like, one o'clock in the afternoon or something yeah and i just like surfaced basically yeah. and it was a, it was a weekday it's really bloody hot outside a little bit like now although it's not too bad today yeah. and i remember just sort of like brushing my teeth washing my face and then i looked up and i was like i just looked haggard even though i'm not doing anything i just looked like a shell of myself um but that was also the time where I felt like because I'm going to do these little bits, I also decided that's when I started to talk openly about a lot of things. That's yeah. when I had my housemate where he was he was sort of in the same boat. Um, that sort of side of stuff interested me or at least surprised me. So I put out, I basically put out that I was having a 
battle with myself. And so I apologise. I did on the classic on Facebook. Like, on, so I just you put, put up there and just went, I'm sorry if I've been a bit like uh, quiet or you haven't seen me or I haven't spoke to anyone. I'm just going through these little battles with myself at the moment, but oh, I am wow. dealing with it. Um, but I just want you all to know so that if you feel like I'm ignoring you, I'm not. Blah, blah, blah. Um, so many people really positive. The one that wasn't, and now it's all resolved, but the one that really surprised me was like my mum and my sister were like, you need to get the hell out of London. It's killing you. And I was like, that was the bit that sort of, that helped me a little bit. That helped motivate me to go, it's not. It's actually going to be the yeah. making of me. Yes. Um, but I want you to see that the, the stigma of me talking about mental health is not a bad thing. And mm. get, bear in mind, this is like 10, 9 years ago. Before it became a Be- bigger... Before it became yeah. a bigger thing. And so... You're a trailblazer. <laughs> if only I was, yeah, mate. But by talking about it and by, by trying to enlighten them, it's now very different. Now, you know, going through the breakup, I called my mum and spoke to her about it. And her first question is, is everything okay then? Are you okay? Yeah. And that was a very different conversation to what we would have had 10 years ago. Yes. 10 years ago, it was like, you need to come home. Like, you need to, it's better for you here. You're safer mm. here. But I'm safer I am. I'm just doing things that everybody at my age will go through at some point. Yes. And I'm just choosing to publicly deal with it because it's something that I feel comfortable in doing. Um, and so that for me was part of the process of moving forwards was, mm. you know, looking in the mirror, genuinely saying to myself, fuck, I need to sort this out. That's really interesting. So two points, I suppose. Um, I think I've said two points loads of times on this and I only ever <laughs> end up making one. But mid-twenties is a difficult time. Yeah. And like this might sound a little bit privileged, but let's just say a sort of typical life in the Western world for, you know, yeah, is you kind of go primary school, secondary school, you go to uni, you have this path that's kind of laid out yeah. for you and then you get a job. You have this, And then you know, you have the, maybe the honeymoon period of your first job. You have this path that's laid out for you for the first 20, 25 years. But then after that, so you don't really think about mm. your life too much because you kind of are following this path. And then you get into the professional world and it can be a bit daunting. Mm. And you're like, holy shit, I've got the next X number of years to try and figure out myself. And it's very easy to feel lost and because there's so many options you can go like you know traveling commit mm. to your career whatever it is it's very easy to feel lost and almost have a little bit of an identity crisis and i know that that might sound ridiculously privileged but if you do feel lost regardless of your setup that can be a a horrible place if you don't know if you don't know where you're going and what you're doing yeah and it's because yeah. there's almost like no purpose or direction you wake up each day and you're like what's the fucking point of it all yeah and that's the word i keep using is purpose like yeah. i think the hardest thing for a lot of us is to find out what our purpose is yeah um because i don't necessarily think a purpose is also actually step back a little bit on purpose i personally believe that all of our purposes every single person in this world in some way shape or form our purpose is to be some form of teacher mm. so if you think about it in this way you progress through work and so you line manage. So you are teaching people how to do certain things in work. Um, naturally, as you grow and you become a parent, you are teaching somebody to go through life. We are all destined to teach and mm. we're all destined to guide. And so ultimately, that's when I think about purpose now, I constantly felt that my purpose had to be to appease others. Yeah. And I take the relationship as a point of view. I felt that I was putting too much pressure on that 
which is also undue pressure for the person. And it's very unfair because that puts a lot on that situation. Actually, it should be more around you and what you're designed to do and what you're there to, to, to facilitate. And whether that be um, how you progress through your career, <clears throat> whether your purpose is purely business led or whether it's success. <clears throat> Excuse me. I just um, want to go gob in the sink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, I, I think that the biggest challenge that we'll have when you get into that professional life, and you're right, you go through uni and you, you do your first few years, but then you've got a really difficult decision to make about how you progress your career mm. and how you progr- progress your life. And you see people just do complete U-turns on their careers further down the line because they yeah. felt they've made the wrong choice. Because they so hasn't, it hasn't married to their purpose. Yeah. Because they found their purpose further down. But you also make so many decisions about your career when you don't even know when who you, have you no are clue. as a yeah. person. Do you know mm. what I mean? Exactly that. And I think that I'm very fortunate that I felt that I wanted to work in this industry when I was 20. So I decided with a, a, a uni friend of mine to start a little business that did really well. And, you know, we exited that quite young. He's now running one of the foremost agencies that develop WordPress websites in the world which is incredible. Yeah. And, you know, I'm having a great time with ECP with wonderful people. I know the world that I want to be in and I know the path that I want to take. And I think for me, that's going to be a clear professional purpose. Right now, my challenge is my, my sort of personal purpose, but yeah. it's rounded now. It's coming to something that I understand that I'm going to have an impact on some little minds one day. Mm. And I like that. And my purpose is to ladder to that. And I think that's all I need now. That's all I need to understand. And I, I will learn as I move forwards how to get there. It also fundamentally feels good yeah. to help other people, yeah. be nice to other people. I don't want to say like teach other people, I don't really have much to teach them. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it's not only like a bigger picture purposeful thing, but it just makes you feel better. It does. It really does. And I think that again was just what I was missing for a little bit. I felt that, or I feel that if you don't really sort of feel the benefit of being able to ladder to that purpose, then it's probably mm. wrong. And if that's the case, then you've got an opportunity to reset. Like, you know, life isn't cookie cutter. Um, Life is non-linear and you can make the decisions that you need to make in any way, shape or form. And you can change when you want to. Mm. You know, there's an old O2 client who has since left and I think he's opening a coffee shop. And they're like, I love that. Like, you know, that's that's nice. And I think that there needs to be more people that are willing to take risks to make sure that their life is good. Mm. I think that the risk is definitely worth the reward. It's very easy to bury yourself in things that you might think are purposeful. Yeah. Or that you're maybe conditioned by society to think so. Becoming a CEO of whatever company it is, chasing the status, chasing the finance. And then you can, I mean, I'm obviously not speaking from experience, but you kind of hear the stories and then you get to that position and then you realise it's essentially empty. Yeah. Um, and you're climbing the long, the wrong ladder. Yeah, you know. And you don't look. That's the that's probably the worst thing for me. That would be the worst thing. You get to the a certain thing. point and it's vacuous. Yeah. And, but again, that that will present itself to you. Then you go. Now I need to make a decision. Yeah. And I think that's just the beauty of life is that we can change and we can adapt. Look, you have to make some sacrifices. Yeah. But that's that's true with everything. Vacuous is a good word. I feel I feel like. Um, that happens with a lot of goals, yeah. though, is that you can be like, as, as, um, when I run that 10K in that time or when I get to that position in my career or when I do this in my personal life, 
then boom, job done, yeah. completed, smashed it. And you feel good, of course, for like a day, a couple of days. But it's a pretty fleeting feeling. Yeah. You know, and ah, it sounds so trite to say, therefore you've got to almost find something that gives you a sense of enjoyment or purpose whilst you're actually doing it and not just thinking like end goal, end goal, end goal. Short time of momentary mood boost. Mm. And then the next thing, end goal, end goal, end goal, you know? Yeah, I think you need something that doesn't have an end goal. Yeah. Like, you... you... Doing something for the sake of enjoying doing said thing. Yeah. I.e. going out and catching your Pokemon because you enjoy doing it. Damn right. As opposed to because you just want to catch them all. Yeah, yeah. Well, I caught them all. Want to catch them again. (laughs) Um, No, but, you know, before we jumped onto this, we were talking about running, right? And that was... I only started running in lockdown one. And that was something... (laughs) I was mainly because... Did I was, you, like, for the, as in for the first time yeah, yeah, in your life? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. In 2020, yeah. I think a lot of people did. Yeah, exactly. Well, I actually moved back in with my mother for four months, and I could barely stand to hang out with her all the time, so I'd just Bless go... Bless What's her name? Just Eva. Oh, shout out to Eva. Eva Diva. Um, and, um, yeah, so... But also, there wasn't really anything else to do, so running was actually a nice little escape. I mean, bang in the middle of Yorkshire, running through fields. It was amazing. Beautiful. Um, but... What it's come to, that is a great example for me now where it's like, I don't really want to hit a thing. Like, I know I want to run a marathon, but that's not going to be the end for me with running. Like, it's a nice little escape from an audio book, from a podcast, from doing a quick run, as I said to you before, turn on my, like, naughty's emo playlist. Yeah. And just like... Oh, hit me with some songs on that. Sounds like a delightful play. It, it Are is, we talking like... Bowling for soup, girls all the bad guys want, or is that too we poppy? Are... Are we talking about heaven is a half pipe? Heaven is a heart. Well, okay. Big tune. Big tune. No, we're sort of talking. So I've got my naughty emo, and then I've got my sort of like transcending generations metal playlist that I sort of merge into the two. Um, no, we're talking like Paramore, <clears throat> Fallout Boy, Panic at the Disco. A little bit more yeah. scene kid than emo, but it's still very good. And then I've got my metal playlist, which I still listen to today, which is like Slipknot, Papa Roach. Fallout Boy, Sugar, We're Going Down Singing. Yes. Singing, swinging rather, singing. is on my running playlist. Is it? Banger. Great song. Have you noticed that none of their songs really make any sense? I don't listen to them that much. No, so this is it. If you ever, if you, if you ever come on, just listen. Yeah. That doesn't really add up at all. But it's great because that was what the generation was like. It was like, we're going to make music because it's fun. Yes. And that... that Here we go. (laughs) We're going full circle here. They did it for the enjoyment of doing it. Exactly. As opposed to doing it because they wanted to become a... Well, that's it. it And there's... Look, I could talk about music for days, but there's now... uh, There's now bands that are coming out, particularly in the world of like... I, I like a lot of alternative metal, rock, all that sort of stuff. But there's bands coming out at the moment that are sort of transcending genres and bringing in four or five different ones. So a band at the moment I listen to called Sleep Token, in one song they'll go through like folk to rap to metal to jazz. Interesting. And you're like, what the hell is this? Yeah. And they're branding it as progressive. So they're branding it it as like, I love it. It's the only thing I've listened to for like four weeks now. Um, But they're branding it in the same way that Led Zeppelin brand themselves as progressive rock. Mm. But it's of a generation's time, so it's very different. Um, but again, going back to the point, they're doing it because music they want to do. They're not doing it just because people yeah. want to hear it all the time, or there's signals in the market to market, making music sound all glorified there. But there's not signals out there that goes, this is what we want. They've just gone, we're going to try something, yeah. and if it works, great. If it doesn't, somebody's paid fine. us to do it, so fine. Um, 
and that's 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 a big thing for me like music is like such a window into what people are like yes um and when <laughs> when people ask me about my music taste and i'm like well i'll listen to george michael but in the same breath slipknot might come on yeah and i'm fine with that i'm here for it yeah that careless whisper is a is a classic careless whisper into people equal shit great love it um we can chuck on a bit of george michael after this fantastic we'll have a little have, dance yeah let's do it <laughs> Get these windows open as well. Yeah. I'm really starting to sweat. <laughs> I was going to say, I thought it was all right. It was temperate before. It wasn't it? Yeah. Both of us are like, our sweat patches Ooh. are magnificent. Yeah, it's got one going on here as well. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of hesitant to say what I'm about to say because I feel like we've gone into a nice lighter tone. But just because you said something earlier, and I think it is an important point, is about looking in the mirror... And that being the catalyst for change. Mm. Because this this is the thing, and it almost ties back into what you were saying um, in the beginning about almost the pressure and the expectation of being someone who lives in London and is success and is thriving in all areas of their life. How you feel when you look in the mirror is such a hard feeling to explain to someone. Mm. And that no one would ever know that about you. Um, and I think this is the massive difference between people's perception of you as a person and like your external facade and how you face the world and turn up day in, day out and what you selectively choose to put on Instagram and LinkedIn yeah, yeah. and all this stuff, your life highlights, versus how you actually genuinely feel about yourself. And that can be a big, big gap. And I know for me, I don't really know if I've really ever said this to some to people before, but there's sometimes I look in the mirror and like I see like honestly things like like grey hairs starting yeah. to appear and I just have a fucking meltdown. Mm. And I start to feel so like almost shit about myself. And I know that sounds fucking ridiculous to say because on the outside everything's all good. Yeah, yeah. But I think that is why that regardless of people's apparent external facade we're all kind of going through just like weird shit mm. and actually what you find what i found with a lot of people is that often the people who are the most driven to succeed and do things can often be driven by feelings of insecurity or self-loathing or feelings of inadequacy mm. and we can see these like you know, really confident, successful people. I'm not obviously putting myself at all in that bracket. And therefore you can kind of feel maybe jealous of them or envious about, you know, toward them, just think, oh, they've got everything sorted. But what you actually find is a lot a lot of the time they are driven by this deep-rooted insecurity and mm. therefore, I don't know, it's not necessarily a life that you might want, even though on the external facing side of things it seems appealing yeah it's yeah. funny you say that I, it's the, the whole thing about looking in the mirror it's, it's a great point because i think that we have a perception of ourselves that we align ourselves to both yeah. physically mentally emotionally that's not both but there's lots of layers that we think we should be but when you look at yourself in a mirror <laughs> you think you look completely different mm. and I, I say that very very honestly i recently got back on the old dating apps Oh, here um, we go. Yeah, met one or two people. Lovely. Really, really lovely. But I always had this perception that I don't look like any of my pictures. I don't look a certain way. Da, da, da. 
And that sort of beat me up a little bit inside. But what was really interesting is then the two, the two people I have met have gone like, you look like this picture. And I'm like, well, that's my best one. Yeah. And they're like, no, you actually do look like the picture. And I think because you look at yourself in a certain way, you instantly dismiss yourself. You're, you yeah. instantly think of yourself as like, I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm not the other. But- so, and sorry to interrupt, but this is actually a big and probably not discussed enough point um, or issue with social media is that genuinely you put the best picture yeah. of yourself and you can think like this is actually non-representative yeah, yeah. and it can be even though you can be like fucking hell I look amazing on this and you get a short-term spike of attention or whatever it is the actual long-term effect of that is like that's not me and you actually feel worse about yourself day in day out even though you've had this short-term spike on social media well that's it and you, you know when you on, on these apps when people like specific things like pictures and then in your head you've gone, I don't look like that, mm. but you've liked that, so I'm like probably catfishing you a little bit. <laughs> so for someone to then go, you do look like that, that actually, one was like, you look better, don't worry about it. Oh, right? Drop yeah. that one in. I look better. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's it's interesting because I think that that in itself is an, effectively an analogy for all of this conversation is like, yes. we aren't what we think we are. And I think we are our own worst enemies when we when oh. we think of ourselves. And actually, it's not... I'm starting to think about it all as... I don't really care what I think of myself anymore. Are you... Is that how you feel or is that... So, question on that. Is that how you feel? Is that transitioning over age um, subconsciously or is that something that you're making a conscious effort to work on? I think it's probably a blend of all. Yeah. I think over time and as age has come, I'm like, I am who I am. Yeah. I am going to have grey hair. Yeah. You know, that's all going to happen. Um, I am going to have a beer barrel belly and I love that because that's <laughs> part of me. Although it is reducing in size, I'm very happy about Mate, that. Mate, you're looking good. I'm feeling good. I'm good. feeling good. But I think the other side of it is as well, it's... You know, I'm not there. And you're to... not looking quite as good as your Tinder profile, but you're not looking bad. Well, 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 we don't <laughs> we don't got Tinder around here, sunshine. Do we not? Uh, well, that shows how um, how, really out how of touch, touch you are. are yeah. um, but it's um, it's just this whole thing of like I'm not the one constantly looking at myself, other than what I, I used to do it all the time. I used to always be like, "Am I doing this right? Do I look the right way?" Uh, you know. I don't look at myself like that anymore. Like, professionally, I know where I want to be and what I need to do. And that's something that I will work towards constantly. We all will. Mm. But personally, I'm going to wear band T-shirts. I'm going to wear beer T-shirts. Mm. I'm going to wear whatever I want to. And I don't care if other people don't align to that. I also don't care, like, what people... If people don't find me, say, attractive, for example, well, that's their opinion. And so, fuck them. Yeah, but someone else will. And then I talking think. to people... <laughs> cheers, pal. You're such a beautiful boy. Um, <laughs> but also, if people don't get on with me on a an emotional or mental level or through through conversation, that's fine. I'm not for you, but somebody else will enjoy that. And I think that's that's part of my sort of growing up now is like, that's the movement I need to make is that I need to align me to something else, not try and align myself to my own view of myself. Yes. And your own view of yourself can be really damning. And you let, when bad things happen, when that little bit of darkness comes in, everybody takes the darkness to the extreme when it's themselves. Yeah. But if it's someone else, you very happily talk about the silver linings around everything. Yeah. So why can't we do it for ourselves? It's a good point. I actually feel that a lot of the time, the people who feel worse about themselves, like low self-esteem, know how that feels. And they almost overcompensate mm. by being overly 
nice or chatty or energetic or funny. It's the yeah. classic depressed clown analogy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I suppose the whole Robin Williams thing as well. Um, so again, external facades, internal, how you're actually feeling. Well, yeah, it's yeah. a big thing as well. I think, you know, you, you got to work with me a little bit. My, I'm always a little bit out there. I'll talk to everybody. I'm yes. always like a little bit of a class clown in that way. But I think the thing that I learned... Was that an overcompensation mechanism? Not though? anymore. But it was, was it? It was years ago. Yeah. I think now it's and just... And then it just became ingrained behaviour. No, well, it's just, pers- it's just my personality now. Yeah. But then the other side of it is, is that if something bothers me, I will instantly have to talk about it. Yeah. Because I don't want that to have an impact on others. I don't want it to have an impact on what people see me like, because that yes. is who I am. And if I feel that that's going to have an impact on others, I want to talk to them immediately and let them know that there's something that just isn't right. And I think that has become something that is really one of my staples that just has to happen. Mm. I can't, there's no point hiding it. You know, if you do hide it, it could have an effect on others. It could have an effect on your own mental health. I think that we've got to escape that. And that's something that I'm really sort of keen to make sure that you're still going to get happy, funny me. Yeah. I say funny, that's me overcompensating for myself. Um, happy you, yeah, anyway. Happy, still going to get happy me, but there's going to be elements where I'm just not going to be in it. Yeah. But at least you know. Whereas before, I wouldn't talk about it, and then it would just build up and build up and build up inside of me as like something that really hurts. Yes. And I think I'm just... That's part of the lessons that I've learned in that to look after yourself, you need to you need to be able to talk and you need to be able to openly explore what certain things mean to you or what what how you've been impacted by things and let people around you know. And I have to actually say, and all joking aside, I genuinely mean this, you were an absolute delight to work with <laughs> because you always brought such positive energy. You were incredibly competent, but you didn't take yourself too seriously. You almost... Um, it's kind of like banter first, let's have a laugh, let's get on as people, and then the work will come as a natural consequence, yeah. of, consequence of that. So, mate, I have to say, I actually really, really miss working with you. You brought really, really awesome energy um, to the place. So keep that up, man. It's a, it's a special thing. I will. And I, I miss working with you too as well, buddy, actually. Um, especially when you were my door opener for the first day, which was lovely. Um, <laughs> No, it's... And then coffee maker yeah, for the everything. next week. Yeah. Mate, I was fucking good. You yeah. were really trying to impress me. Yeah. Oh, the new business director's here. Best, best yeah. be nice to hear. Let's open the door for you. Well, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's interesting. Look, I, I, from there. I appreciate that because I think that my... You know, one of my, I guess, measures of success and um, some the team that I have at the moment at Bernadette, I very much... My consideration is that it needs to... I need to make an opportunity, a world where they thrive. Um, and the only way that we make a world where they thrive is by making sure that we're unlocking sort of everything and where we're, the barriers aren't there. Professionally, we can do whatever we want, but we need to have personal engagements with people. Otherwise, what's the point? We work with these people yeah. more than we spend time with family. It's the age-old thing that people talk about. So we can be friends. We don't have to be acquaintances. And I think this whole thing of like, why would you be friends with people at work is completely not a bullshit. And I, I think know... advertising is good for that. Yeah, exactly. I that. think the, the downside is sometimes the lines can get a little bit blurred. Oh, but yeah. genuinely speaking, it is a very friendly, personable yeah. industry to work in. Right? And I think that's why I've sort of thrived in it a little bit, because it's exactly what I sort of want. And for me, the way that I am could sort of also impede progression in some ways, because there needs to be at some point that cut off between Friendly, as you yeah. progress up, you need to be a little bit more assertive and whatever else. But I think there are examples where we were, where, where you were and where I am at VCP, where those barriers haven't been 
broken, and yet you can still have people in some of the most senior roles doing the best things. Yes. And I think VCP is a very good example of that. I've worked yeah. at many other agencies that would never be like that. Um, but there will come a time where there has to be some level of like, yeah. cut it off, like just understand, but also still be able to keep I think that today should be the day. I think in Monday, on Monday, you should just go and be like, no more Mr. Nice Guy. Just not talk to anybody. <laughs> yeah. Every time somebody sends me a spreadsheet, I'm like, your numbers are wrong. <laughs> yeah. Take it back, yeah. knob. Um, no, I think, and that's that's my, you know, professionally, that's my sort of view. And it comes from a lot in my, my, my entire life of like, just be open and just be, just allow people the opportunities to do whatever they want to do. Like growing up, like my, my mum would just do everything at work to make sure that I had whatever I wanted. And the only reason I am here is because she did that. It's the same with my two sisters. Eva, my, what a yeah, gal. My two sisters and my gran, exactly the same. I got brought up by four women and if I didn't, if it wasn't them, I'd be a very different person. And I like who I am. Now, we have days where we're down, but mm. I genuinely feel so over the moon with where I'm at in my life and how I've come out so far. Yeah. It's only going to get better, right? 100%. Absolutely. Um, this, I think, switches off after an hour. Uh, <laughs> the maximum recording time for segments is 60 minutes. Keep an eye on the clock. So, yeah, let's, uh, let's wrap this up. Yep. What a beautiful conversation. Any final remarks? God. Any words of wisdom? Any butterfly-related quotes? Uh, I don't know if there's any butterfly-related quotes, but if you ever go, get to go to, I think it's called A World of Butterflies in Middlesbrough, you definitely should. It's fantastic. Um, the upside butterflies, the downside Middlesbrough. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. yeah. I lived there for six years. It was absolutely shit. Sorry, Middlesbrough. No wonder, no wonder you were depressed. So, <laughs> yeah, you're about right. Um, no, none. I think, you know, it's, it's really good to chat, right? And I think that we don't do it enough. And I think when you reached out to me about doing this, I, my instant reaction was, well, why the fuck hasn't he asked me sooner? Yeah. Um, but then my next reaction was like, it's such a, a great opportunity for to be able to share sort of my journey and the things that I've gone through, which I don't necessarily talk to everybody about because it's not an opportunity to do so. But I think it's also nice to be able to sort of riff yeah. and sort of talk openly in a way where you can start to understand other people's sort of mentalities and, and approaches to things. Like, you know, the key words today were purpose and balance. Yeah. And if you if you get those two right, everything... And eyelashes. And eyelashes, yeah. Um Dogs and blogs will uh, will soon have an eyelash routine. <laughs> Perfect guest author. <laughs> um, until then, let's crack open these windows. Yeah, maybe get a change of t-shirt because these are fucking drenched. Get on George Michael, and then let's go get some scrum. Absolutely, Jonathan Denby. Love you lots. Love you too, man. Goodbye, everyone. Cheers. Bye, bye, bye.